Well, the impact of the war in Ukraine found its way to space today. The European Space Agency has confirmed that it is indefinitely suspending its ExoMars rover mission with partner Roscosmos, Russia's state space corporation. It cements concerns that the war on the ground in Ukraine is going to impact decades of cooperation between Russia and the West in space. My next guest has more than 20 years of experience in military space and security matters. Joining me now is Victoria Sampson, Washington Office Director for the Secure World Foundation. Thanks for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you for having me on, Ben. Um, I, I guess just to start at the beginning, and I remember this back from the 70s, cooperation between Russia and the West in space, the U.S. in particular, has been a longstanding and very successful collaboration over the years, regardless of what was going on on Earth. Correct. I mean, space has always been a place of geostrategic competition. It's always been a place where there's been security concerns. I mean, that was from the beginning of the space age. It was meant as Cold War rivalry. However, there were times where there was some cooperation in space. And you had the famous Soyuz handshake. Um, in the mid-1970s, where the U.S. and then the Soviet Union were able to make that work. Um, and then as time has evolved over the, you know, the over the end of the Cold War, there was interest in continuing to find ways in which for the two former rivals to work in space, just from uh, the viewpoint of establishing a foundation for cooperation um, based on mutual interests and scientific research. I guess there is no better example of that than the International Space Station. Absolutely. The International Space Station um, was, they started, it was built out of a couple different space stations. The U.S. had one that they were thinking about. The Soviets had um, actually one that they had working. But after the Cold War ended, the idea was to try and bring together the expertise and the knowledge that both sides had built to have an International Space Station where it could be truly of global interest and abuse. Um, and so it was, you know, they started working on it in the early 90s. They signed an agreement between 15 countries in 1998, and it was deliberately built so that both the Russians and the U.S. side needed to work together for it to function properly. Like it is, it is a piece of machinery, and it will not work without both sides working together. So there's the Russian side, and then there's the U.S. side, but the U.S. side actually has a whole host of other participants. Um, officially, there are five space agencies involved in the International Space Station, um, NASA, which is the United States. Roscosmos, which is Russia, the Canadian Space Agency, Go Canada, has been very involved. In fact, um, every Canadian I know who works on space is super excited because the Canada arm helped build a lot of the space stations. So thanks a lot for that, you guys. Right. Um, and then you have the European Space Agency, which is representative of 22 countries, and then JAXA, which is a Japanese space agency. Um, so you can see there's truly a lot of countries involved in this. And it has been, I mean, whether or not you look at the scientific experiments and they've been interesting and I'm sure there's been things that they've learned from it, but really what it's been is a tool of soft power reach, a tool of cooperation, of diplomatic coordination and, you know, promoting the idea that there is benefit to working together in space and you can literally get above all the conflict on the ground by having this um, cooperative experimental station on orbit. Yes, we're very proud of the Canada Arm. I'm glad you brought it up, um, obviously. <laughs> I'd be remiss not to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, and I gather, I mean, and it has been enormously successful. 
I mean, through thick and thin on the ground, it, it, you know, through through 9-11, through uh, the invasion of Georgia, through Syria, through all the conflicts on the ground. It seems from an outsider's point of view that the diplomacy, the diplomatic mission of space, of cooperation in space has has survived. How is that? How have they managed to, to make sure that conflicts don't reach that high? Well, I mean, up until now, it has been a deliberate choice on both sides with a recognition that they need to work together to make sure the humans in space are safe and you know, the astronauts and cosmonauts are able to come down safely. Um, the International Space Station has had someone in it continuously since 2000. So we're going on 22 years now, which is pretty amazing when you think about that, to have a continuously habited um, space station. That's, that's pretty wild. Um, and it was, and again, the 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 Russian side, the U.S. side, um, they the astronauts and cosmonauts, they uh, prepare together, they train together, they live together for many months before they go up. Um, both sides have mission control that coordinate very closely. Whenever there's a launch of astronauts, NASA sends a team to Russia, you know, to help them either get when they're launched or when they're coming back down, and you know, the same side. Uh, there's coordination on both sides. So, I mean, it it has been deliberately um, engineered so that there's a a spirit of cooperation and um, coordination. Having said that, um, I I think you have to acknowledge that obviously geopolitics have have been a consideration. And I will point out, for example, in 2014, when Russia invaded Crimea, uh, the U.S. put sanctions against seven individuals as among other things that the U.S. put sanctions on, but specifically seven individuals. And one of them was Rokuzin, who was the head of Roscosmos. So um, the, the head of the Russian space agency has not been allowed to even travel to the United States because of the sanctions placed on him personally. So again, I would point out, you know, there, it hasn't, it isn't like there's been no acknowledgement of geopolitical issues when we're looking at things like the International Space Station, but they've been able to make it work up until now. I was going to say, up until now, clearly the invasion of Ukraine has started a completely different chapter uh, in this yes. cooperation. What what impacts are we seeing already? I know there has been one from the European Space Agency uh, announced today. Right. Um, that is the ExoMars mission, which is going to be launched. Um, and just based on planetary alignment, it can only be done every so often. And they made the decision now that they were not going to be doing it because it involved the Russians. So they're going to have to wait a couple of years, maybe... A couple of years past that. So it's pushed it out indefinitely for now. Um, I will point out, I mean, there's been a lot of press on this issue because, again, going back to the head of the, the Russian space agency, Roscosmos, um, Dmitry Rogozin has been very, I would say, an inflammatory <laughs> participant on Twitter, you know, and saying things like, well, you know, because right, it used to be the only way that um, astronauts could get up to the space station after the U.S. stopped flying the space shuttle in 2011, was via the Russian Soyuz um, vehicle. Um, so for the better part of a decade, actually, that was the only way in which astronauts and cosmonauts could get up to the space station. In 2020, um, SpaceX um, built a commercial vehicle that has allowed options. Um, but, you know, the, there's still a lot of people that depend on getting to the space station via the Russian vehicle. And so Rogozin said, you know, well, they can use broomsticks, you know, to get up there. And, and he made some statements kind of implying, well, you know, what if Russia decides not to work on its part of the space station and we could just, you know, implying that they would let the space station plummet into the ocean. 
Um, I mean, the way it works is that um, the Russian side does a lot of the attitude control and that they use thrusters to adjust um, the space station in orbit as needed. Um, and the U.S. side um, creates power through its solar arrays for both sides of the space station. Um, there are some ways in which the U.S. side can do some adjustments with thrusters, but generally speaking, it's the Russian side's needed. And so Ferguson was implying, like, maybe we'll do that. And then a week or two back, um, the Russian space agency released a video, which they said was parody, but they, in the video, they jokingly had um, their cosmonauts leave one of the U.S. astronauts up there as they came back down to Earth. Um, and that's a point of political sensitivity because actually at the end of this month, I think March 30th, um, they actually are planning on taking down one of the U.S. astronauts with the two of their cosmonauts. Um, and, you know, and again, Russia has said, well, well, clearly we're not gonna leave anyone behind that was just a joke, but you know, you can see as a point of you know sensitivity, this was not very well received. Um, so there's been that, and then other ways in which. But I mean, I will point out again for the space station, it's still up there, it's still functioning. Um, they're sending more astronauts up in in a, you know in the near future, and right now the agreement for the space station um, has it going through 2024. Uh, the U.S. recently announced that it would like to see the space station extend through 2030, but not all the partners have said that they're willing to extend it that far. And one of the, the major holdouts is Russia. Um, and this is even before their invasion of Ukraine. It is hard to say what's going to happen um, if they decide that they do not want to participate further in the space station. Uh, I think there are people at NASA scrambling right now to figure out what to do. Um, right now, the international agreement that... Um, created the space station, you know, the one I mentioned from the, the treaty in 1998, um, not treaty, the signature in 1998, uh, basically it allows participants to pull out of the space station given one year's notice. So, oh, we'll see. Um, having said that, I will point out that Russia is in a bad place um, in many places, but, you know, its space program is having problems. Um, the, the, the human spaceflight and the civil space program has been in tatters. Um, they have had serious problems with quality control. They've had huge problems with corruption. It was to the point where last um, year, actually Putin slashed the budget for Roscosmos, just saying that you guys are doing terribly. And also last fall, um, the Russian government passed a law saying that people, Russian citizens couldn't talk to outsiders about the space program. I mean, this is this program is not doing well. And so my, my point in saying that is, you know, it isn't like Russia has the funds and the ability to immediately go out and build their own space station. They just don't. As much as they may say they want to, they don't. And so if they want to continue to be a major space power and they want the prestige of being, you know, a, a global superpower with a, a human spaceflight program, the space station, the International Space Station really is their only option for the near future. That's why I'm not as worried about them dropping out. I'm speaking with Victoria Sampson, Washington Office Director for the Secure World Foundation. We're talking about the impact of the war in Ukraine on longstanding cooperation between Russia and the West, including Europe, Canada, uh, the U.S., obviously, in space and what impact this could have. When we come back, what will be lost if this cooperation ceases to exist? That's next. I'm back with Victoria Sampson, Washington Office Director for the Secured World Foundation, an NGO that focuses on the sustainability of outer space, ensuring everyone benefits from space in the long term. We've been talking about the impact of the war in Ukraine on space cooperation, decades of cooperation in space, including on the International Space Station between Russia and the West, including Europe, Canada, the US, and 
others. Um, I guess one of the things that comes up when you think about it is that if this diplomatic, this one area that seems to have been relatively resilient to animosity on the ground ceases to exist, it feels like something quite important will be lost. Yes, because it's been a bridge, you know, between the East and the West in the past, where if nothing else, the two sides could have a common understanding about being um, emissaries of humankind, you know, and working together and coordinating on scientific research um, in space. And with this, I think, um, kneecapping the Russians have given it with their recent invasion of Ukraine and just really inflammatory statements by the head of their space agency, um, this may be going away. And I think that'll be truly a loss because, again, there is so much knowledge and institutional um, awareness built up from the decades of the Russian space program. It'd be a pity to lose that. But also, I think more from a geopolitical viewpoint, you know, there are this, this tendril, this, 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 this branch, um, this, this root between the two sides. Without it gone, it, it limits how much coordination we can do later. And it's, it, it hurts the possibility for future coordination or future engagement or future cooperation um, if and when the geopolitical picture changes. And I know a lot of people think, well, so what? You know, why does that really matter? But I mean, again, you're looking at this, what, what do we get out of it from you know, geopolitical coordination, from diplomatic outreach? There are a lot of benefits to having the major superpowers on good standing with each other. Um, not just for space reasons, but just in terms of you know, um, making sure that you don't have inadvertent escalation or things go badly. And so when you're, you're seeing you know, the possibility of coordination in the National Space Station stopping soon, that's one way. Um, another way in which we're seeing Russia cutting itself off was you know, for many years, the Russian launch vehicles would take up um, other country satellites because their Russian launch vehicles are very dependable. You know, they're a good price. Um, but a couple weeks ago, um, Russia was scheduled to take up a, a series of satellites from a, a company called OneWeb. And they said, okay, and the Russians said, okay, you know what? Um, two things. One, we need you to promise that none of this in, the satellites will be used and the information used in the satellites against Russia in this, in this conflict. And of course, OneWeb's like, well, we can't promise that. You know, the blurring of the line between commercial and military space is pretty strong these days and it's you know it's really hard to say one way or the other how information is going to be used and the other thing was um the uk government was a major investor in the one web um company and so the russians said you know what the other thing we need you to do is we need you to divest yourselves the, the british government needs to divest themselves from the one web um constellation before we'll allow you guys to be launched up via our vehicle and the brits were like no of course not we can't do that so one web was left scrambling you know, like literally at the last minute they couldn't have their satellites being launched um, Russia's losing the, vent, the, the revenue that they would have gotten from that. Um, but also other companies and other countries, if you're looking ahead, you're saying, well, how can, I, how can I depend upon my satellites being launched by the Russians and have to worry at the last minute they're going to put these really crazy you know, demands? You know, how do I know I'm not going to lose the money or the time? So, I mean, that, and again, it, it's just it's another way in which this place of coordination and cooperation and, you know, contact between Russia and the West is going away. And it just, it, for me, it's really disconcerting because I see Russia isolating itself. And when you have a nuclear power that's relatively unstable and proven that it's willing to be a prized state isolating itself in multiple venues, I mean, that's, I would say that's alarming. Victoria Sampson, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. 
My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on.